Thanks, Josh. Good morning, church. Hey, before we get going, um, would this be yours? Because that one's mine. All right. Thank you. Um, there is a unique dynamic that Jesus has put in the church uh, called unity. And unity becomes a portal for God's kingdom to be released from heaven and enter our experience on earth. That's why Jesus says where two or more are gathered in my name. Unity, Christianity is not a solo sport. Unity is God. Disunity is Satan. And so whenever we are in unity, the spirit flows. And so while we were worshiping a few minutes ago and we were all singing in unison together, I felt this flow of the spirit. And I don't want to, I like to capitalize on when I feel God moving, I like to capitalize on it and not just like gloss over it. So I want to, I want us to pray for the sick right now because uh, this unity releases that. And so if you have sickness or disease in your body, it doesn't matter if you got the sniffles or you've got an incurable disease. It's easy for Jesus. I mean, one day he told a, a young guy that, you know, your sins are forgiven. And the religious leaders were upset that Jesus thought that he could forgive sins because only God can forgive sins. And Jesus said, okay, well, just so you know that I have the power to forgive sins, uh, what's easier to say? Be forgiven or be healed. So he told the guy who was crippled, rise up and walk. And the guy rose up and walked. So for Jesus, forgiveness of sins, casting out a demon, healing a cold or healing cancer, it's easy for him. There's nothing too difficult for our God. Nothing. And I don't care if you've been prayed for a million times. Let's make today the millionth and one time because you never know which prayer is going to break that stronghold. Amen? Don't ever give up. So if you have sickness or disease in your body, can we just all stand for a moment? And if you have sickness, disease in your body of some kind, it doesn't matter what it is, little, medium, small, raise your hand. And Jesus said this to his church, they that believe, do you believe? They that believe in my name, that's where all the authority is, they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So let's get on it. Let's get busy. You got about two minutes inconvenience yourself turn see somebody with their hand raised turn say what do you need healing of and then just begin to pray for him and let's let jesus have an opportunity to be the healer in his house today
And everybody said amen. Amen. All right. All right. Give your prayers a high five, little rounds of high five for Jesus in here, and let's go. Welcome online community, it's great to have you here today, and everybody here at the Gathering Place Church. Today we are opening up a brand new series, our December series, simply called The Power of Love. The longer I live, the more I am fully persuaded that if you are living life without love, you're not living life at all. A life without love is not life at all. I, when you're younger, accomplishment, achievement, acclamation, positions, possessions, uh, seem to be the driving force of our life. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but you, you see people that reach the highest heights in every arena of life, and then they end up uh, with broken lives. They end up, they can end up drug addicted or losing their marriages or their families or their health or whatever it might be uh, because the pursuit to acquire and achieve and, and uh, possess like one person says, you spend the first half of your life, you know, um, gaining wealth, and you spend the second half of your life spending your wealth to regain your health. And so what I have found, I'm 60 now, and I have found that when I look back over the last six decades of my life, the only thing that really matters in life is love, ultimately. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, you can give all your money to the poor, you can have faith to move mountains, you can have all knowledge, you can speak in the tongues of men and angels, you say la 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 la, and carry, wag your Bible all over the place, lead people to Jesus. He says, but if you do not have love, you are what? Nothing. <laughs> That's a shocking statement. Nothing. In the introduction to, uh, or in the research I was doing for this series, I decided to do a man on the street interview. I interviewed different people. And uh, just this last week, I was sitting at a Starbucks and my wife was in the hospital uh, getting her chemo treatment. And I was sitting at a Starbucks uh, preparing my message and I thought, I'm going to do a man on the street interview. So I interviewed, I, wanted, I just walked up to people at Starbucks, sitting on the bench or sitting at a table or the baristas. I just went around and, and interviewed people. And this was the question I asked them. Um, I said, I'm writing a book because this will be part of one of the chapters in my book. But also, I didn't want to walk up and say, hey, I'm writing a sermon because that might be a little off-putting to some. I wanted them to participate. I'm writing a book on love. Can I ask you a question? And 
Everybody said yes, which was wonderful. That, that was interesting to me. Like when you walk up to a stranger and say, can I, can I ask you a question or whatever? They, all, they want to know what you want. But when I said I'm writing a book on love, they were fully available. Isn't that interesting? The topic of love. And I said, when I say the word, when I say the word love, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And so here's some of the answers we got. A college girl said family. A Starbucks employee said mom. And I said, why? She said, because she sacrificed everything so that I have a shot in life. I said, have you told her? And she said, always. I said, was that after you were a teenager? She said, yes. Okay. Now listen, teenagers, I'm not throwing you under the bus. I'm just saying that sometimes you have to come to a certain stage in life where, uh, you know, you just can't, you can't appreciate the sacrifice because that's not where you are. You're not yet sacrificing for your kids, you know, and so you, you have to wait until you are out of the house, paying your own mortgage payments, your own insurance payments, your own grocery bill, your own car insurance, your own car maintenance, and then you're like, ouch, oh, wow, oh, and then working the 40-hour, the 50-hour, the 60-hour week to pay those bills, and then you have the kid, that you know, the infant who demands that you get no sleep for the first three years of your life, and then it starts to dawn on you, right? I remember like one time I called my mom because I, my firstborn, you know, I was getting no sleep, and, and uh, I called my mom to, you know, complain, you know, I know my mom will understand. So I, I called my mom, Phil, and I said, Mom, I started telling her about how I'm getting no sleep and, you know, I'm having to change diapers and get up in the middle of the night and, you know, feed. And, and all of a sudden I hear this little chuckle. I'm like, what is she laughing about? And she got louder and louder and louder. And she, my mom was laughing. It was like the moment she was waiting for, for... See, you can't appreciate the sacrifice until you are sacrificing in the same way. And it's like, ah. Another one said, uh, unconditional love from my daughter. Another woman, uh, uh, a 20-something girl said, treat people the way you would be, want to be treated. Even if they don't treat you that way, that's love. Two men said, our wives, they've been married about 30 years each, and they said, my wife, I said, why? And they said, they are so patient. <laughs> Another college age said, family and friends. And then she said this, if you don't have a family, you can create bonds of affection and support with friends. Three adults said, unconditional love for kids and family. And one of them was a grandma who didn't speak English. And so I asked the daughter to translate my question to the mom. And the mom said the very same thing, love from my family. I asked people of all nationalities, different age brackets, those who didn't even speak English, and love was clearly a universal language. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, your age, your sexuality, Everybody needs to be loved and everybody needs to love. It's just in our DNA. Another 40-something woman said trust. And I said, well, what does that mean? She said, knowing that you can share anything with a person and that they are safe, that you won't be judged, gossiped about, or harmed in any way. 
Another person says, check this out. This was good. Love loves beyond a person's brokenness. Love loves past their bad behavior. Love believes the best about them. Another person says, love covers all sin. Another person says, love shows respect for a person even after they've hurt you. Another woman said to me, she was there with her husband and her baby, and she was pushing the stroller, and I said, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say love? And she said, soulmate. And I said, why? She said, well, because, she actually said this, she goes, well, if you found your soulmate, then you're in love. Do you need me to write this book for you? <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> and then this was the most interesting one to me. I stopped these two women. I thought they were together, but they weren't. It was like a 40-something and a 20-something. And I asked the same question. And I asked the first, the 40-something. She said, love is everything. It's everything. And then I turned to the 20-something, and she said, it doesn't exist. And I was a little, little nervous about asking a follow-up question. And as a pastor, of course, I want to counsel her right there and then and, and ask her about it. But I, I, I took a little risk. I said, why would you say that? And thankfully, she was open, and she said, I've just been hurt too many times. And I could see the deadness in her face and in her eyes. And I thought to myself, living life without love is literally like being the living dead. You're dead while you're alive. Some of you have had bad experiences with love. If you've lived on the planet long enough, you have had disappointments, hurts, letdowns, rejections, abandonments, gossip, character defamation, people false accusations, not being understood. It, and some of you have had experiences that are so bad that you're like that girl that you've decided it just doesn't exist. I mean, how do you write a song? What's love got to do with it? Got to do with it? Come on. <clears throat> What's love? What? Okay, you can, I know we're in church, but you're, look, you're allowed to sing that song in church. What's love? But a secondhand emotion. You can't write that song unless you've been hurt. You cannot write that song unless somebody has let you down. What is love? But a secondhand emotion. It's the name title of my sermon today, What is Love? You've decided, some of you, that you're just not going to be loved or love ever again because you're just not going to be hurt again. The truth is, no matter how good a person is, if they're human, they're going to let you down in some way, shape, or form. We're just going to hurt each other. Hopefully not intentionally, but definitely unintentionally, we're going to hurt one another. Because human love is limited, it is fickle, it is unpredictable at best. Even when we mean the best. That is why I want to say to us today, at the beginning of this new series, that if we are going to start talking about love, we have to start with God. Because God is love. 
Olivia, God is love. Aiden, what is God? Love. He doesn't have love, just. He is love. He's not just an example of love. He is love. And so why is love, Adrena, so important to us? I'm, no, that's rhetorical. Don't know. No, you're not on the spot. You kind of feel like you're on the spot, and we are like live, but <laughs> keep the camera on me. She does not want the camera on her right now. Why is love, why can't we function well without love? Loving and being loved. Why? Yeah, but why are we designed for it? We are Corey. Thank you, Gary. I'm so glad you came to church today. You were created in the image of God. Now, it doesn't mean when you look in the mirror, you see God. Some believe that. But it doesn't mean like your physicalness, but your emotions, emotional makeup, your intelligence and your mind, your imagination, your desire for relationship. You were made in the image of God, and God is love. That's why you and I do not work well without love. And we try all sorts of substitutes for love when love has failed us. What are some of the substitutes we use to try to, the fuel, as Mark was saying. I was talking to uh, Chris Jordan this week. He, he uh, uh, helped do an errand with me, and we were in his truck, and he's telling me how much he loves his truck. It runs on diesel. He said, but you know what? You need to put the right kind of diesel in it. Because if you put the wrong kind of diesel in this, it will destroy your truck. He goes, in fact, I know one guy that did it. My daughter called me one day. She called me and said, Dad, I just filled up my car with gas. I said, that's great. She goes, but I didn't realize until I put the gas thing back that I put diesel in it. Okay, that right there is heaven's groan when you try to live on anything other than love. I said, don't start the engine. Don't shoot that diesel into your engine. It'll destroy you. What do we shoot into our engines? Bitterness. I had a young person say to me this week, I withheld relationship from my family to punish them. She even said, I like, to, I like holding on to a good grudge. But at one point she realized, I can't live on bitterness anymore. It's not working for me. What else do we live on? What other kind of fuel do we live on if we're not going to live on love? Yeah, acquisitions, money, position, power, influence, acclaim. We all need attaboys and attagirls, but how much do you need? Like, is that the fuel that you're living on? You're insatiable. There's a hole. We were designed by love for love. I have observed that when I am acting weirdly or somebody else is acting a little weird, you know, I think to myself, they just weren't loved well or they're not being loved well. Saying things, you're like, that was stupid. Why did I say that? Because there was insecurity in the moment. You felt intimidated. 
right? A little incompetent, and we overdo it, we underdo it, we try to be funny, right? All these things that we do uh, out of not being well-loved. I'm telling you, when you experience the love of God, all that goes away. It just literally melts away. Because this awareness of God's acceptance that you are a well-loved child of God. I'm telling you, man, that takes care of all low self-esteem, all lack of love, all abandonment issues. I mean, it's just, I, I've only experienced it a couple times where God's love just, I was baptized in it. And I'm telling you, the first thing you do is you just start laughing because you're set free. You see, hurts in life cripple us. They morph our personalities. They distort us. They cause us to overdo it. They cause us to run. They cause us to hide. They cause us to be aggressive, submit inappropriately. I mean, hurts just just push us out of measure and stretch us and twist us. Love, on the other hand, removes all fears and heals all wounds and frees you to be fully you, the you that God created you to be. It all begins, and it's all sustained by, and it'll all eternally be about God's love for you. That's why, David, can you stand up and turn around? On the back of our church uh, hoodies and t-shirts, what's it say? Loving God back, because that is Christianity. We're first loved by God, then everything we do is just loving Him back. Now, when it comes to the church... Jesus is so serious about love, us loving each other, so serious about it, that he appeared as the resurrected Christ to John, according to John, his favorite disciple. When I married my wife, I told her that Jesus loves me more than anybody, and I really believed it until I was married to her for a while, and I started seeing the way he treated her and the prayers of hers that she got in. So I said, hey, wait a minute. I think he loves you more than he loves me. It was a shock, you know, but that's the way God makes you feel. Have you ever met somebody? They just make you feel like you're the most important person in the room. Have you ever met somebody like that before? Oh, that's sweet. Oh, does he really? That's awesome. Yeah. They're in the honeymoon stage. Just leave them, just leave them alone. Shh, don't tell them anything. Don't ruin it. When Hope and I were, were, were engaged, or not engaged, but when Hope and I were engaged, and we'd talk to married couples, they'd say, oh, it's a lot of hard work. Well, you really got to sacrifice. We stopped telling people. It's like, we don't want to hear that. Tell us how amazing and wonderful and awesome it is. We don't want to hear your sad stories. Anyway. And then the same thing happened with kids. We got pregnant. Oh, it's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of work. We're like, we're not telling people we're pregnant anymore. Jeez. Jesus is so serious about it that he appears to John and he says, I want you to write this letter to this church in the city of Ephesus. I see all the good works you're doing and I commend you for them. However, everybody say, however, okay, all I see all the good things you're doing in my name. However, There's one thing that you have lost, and if you don't regain it, I'm going to shut 
your church down. What? What could that be? What sin is he talking about? Oh, is that somebody stealing money from the offering? I mean, is, is there sexual immorality? What is it that Jesus says that we're doing wrong that he's going to shut our church down? He said, you don't love like you did in the beginning. Wow, Phil. Wow. Jesus says, if my church is not loving, I do not want you representing me on earth. Oh, man, I am going to close your doors because God is love. Christianity is love. Jesus said, the world will know you are my followers out of all the other people on the planet. How? By the way you love one another. Our love is supposed to be supernatural. We'll talk about that next week, but today... What I want to jump into right now is next week I'm going to talk about the expression, God's expressing His love through us. But today, rather than the expression of love, I want us to look at Jesus as the example of this love. When we talk about how, what does this love look like? What is love? What does it look like? Well, all we have to do is look at Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul, writing to the Philippians church, says this. Now, as I'm reading this, I want you to pick out uh, attributes of love, okay? You guys with me? Okay. As I'm reading this, pick out some attributes of love that you see. Is there any encouragement? You can shout it out. When you hear one, shout it out. Is there any encouragement... Oh, wow. That's weak. Let's try it again. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Oh, belonging. I didn't catch that one. Good one. Okay. All right. Come on. Is there any comfort from his love? Love is the comfort. Any fellowship together in the spirit. That's unity. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Yeah, we just all fell off the wagon right there, didn't we? Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Now, let's just reverse this. Let's just reverse this. Life without love is no life at all. Life without love is death. It's like the living. Imagine this. Is there any discouragement? Is there, is there anybody that is not giving comfort to you? Is there... Any disunity? Are your hearts hard with no compassion? Well, you're making me sad by not agreeing. You are in discord with each other. Not loving one another. Not working together. Not having one mind. Not having one purpose. You're being selfish. You're trying to impress each other. You're prideful. 
You think you're better than everybody else. You only look out for your own interests, not the interests of others. That's the opposite of love. I mean, imagine this. I want you to imagine this. Imagine your marriage. Can you do me a favor? Just close your eyes for a second. I, I need to use your imagination. Close your eyes. Imagine your marriage or the marriage that you're hoping to have one day and imagine it filled with the kind of love that you would love to experience, okay? I'm going to give you five seconds. Think about that. It's nirvana. It's heaven on earth. It's fantasy. It's amazing. Okay, now, what, did you, what characteristics were there? Just say them out real quick. Huh? Joy, trust, patience, contentment. Okay, now fulfillment. Okay, now close your eyes again. Now imagine your marriage. I hope it's not the marriage that's your reality right now. Imagine your marriage and there's no love. Okay, what do you feel? Give me some words. Strife. Huh? Sick. Sad. Anger. Guarded. Hopeless. Forgotten. What, Gary? Hell. Yeah. No, I, one person says something true that a good marriage is heaven on earth and a bad marriage is hell on earth. Because, why, why, why? Because we're made for love. We're made to receive and give love. That's how we're made. That's how we function well. That's where our mental health comes from and our emotional health. And so when you get married, you think, you hope, or you come to a church, you hope that you're going to find true love. And so your expectation, your hope is so high. And then you enter into that marriage and two broken people are trying to love one another well and you hurt each other, which becomes more painful than loneliness itself, more painful than singleness. There are more lonely people that are lonelier that are married than not married because it's like people coming to church. That's why I say we need to be as, at least as friendly as a bar. Come on. People go to a bar and somebody will buy you a drink, slap you on the back, and just, you know, you kind of have this fellowship and you get filled with the spirits and the pastors behind the counter <laughs> filling up your beers, right, or whatever it is. It's a, it, is a, it is a fabrication for the church. And so people come to church and they're expecting to find the love of God. And so when they are abused or rejected or abandoned or gossiped about or whatever, it hurts more because we are expecting more. So he says, you must have, now here comes our example, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Everybody say attitude. attitude. Though he was God... He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Why? Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. And took the humble position of a slave. And he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God. And died a criminal's death on a cross. 
Therefore, everybody say therefore. therefore. I'm telling you, with God, family of God, with God, you will never lose if you're love, loving. Even if you don't get love back. I'm going to drill down on that in just a minute. We don't have a whole lot of time left here. This is just an opening. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to boil this chunk of theology down to three things real quick. What is love? That's the question we're answering today. Three things based on Jesus's example. Number one, love is humility. Love is humility. The Bible says we're not to think of one another more highly than we should, but we do because we compare each other among ourselves. That's, that's why social, huh? We're not to think of ourselves more highly than we should. Um, but we do. We think of ourselves less than others. We think of ourselves more than others. And then the social media, the comparison is just a disaster for yourself, uh, self-worth and value and mental health and all that, the FOMO and, you know, all of that. I mean, everybody putting out their best selves out on social media and I have the best friends, we're eating the best food, we're in the best places and and so we compare ourselves among ourselves. And, and, uh, and so we either think more highly of ourselves or more lowly. But here's the thing. When we compare ourselves, here's the equalizer. Here's the great equalizer. When we compare ourselves to Jesus, it levels the playing field for everybody. We're all the same. I mean, seriously. If you're that much prettier than me, that much more money than me, you know, that much more education than me. Okay, you're a little, right? But when you compare yourself to Jesus, we're all pulpers, right? We're all fallen, sinful creatures on our way to hell. We barely know anything or have anything or or, or anything outside of him, right? That's why Paul said he was wealthy and powerful and connected. Paul said, I cash it all in. All of my fame, all of my power, all of my possessions, all of my prestige, all of my influence. I cash, I actually call it horse dung. That Greek actually uses the graphic word. I call it boom. If I could just have Jesus. See, when we compare ourselves to Jesus, we're all the same. That's why the scripture says this. We don't dare compare ourselves with those who think so much of themselves, but they are foolish to compare themselves with themselves. One translation said, what stupidity. Paul says this in Romans 12, for by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you not to think more highly of himself and of his importance and ability than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. As God has apportioned to each a degree of faith and a purpose designed for service, just as in one physical body we have many parts, and these parts do not have all the same function or special use, so we who are many are nevertheless just one body in Christ, and individually we are parts of one another, mutually dependent on each other. 
Well, I'm out of time. So let me tell you this vision a friend of mine had, and then we are going to come to uh, the communion table together, and we are going to partake of the one who came down from heaven and died for us. Greatest show of love. We'll, we'll continue this next week. But this whole concept of the way that we view ourselves and the next poem is going to be the way we view others. You know, I'm not going to do that. We'll do that next week. You have to give me just a second because I got halfway through my message and my time's up. So let me just give me a minute. Um, oh, great. Yeah, come on up. No, my application was communion, but that was after my third point. So now I'm in no man's land. <laughs> this uh, sounds good. This fits with uh, the Thanksgiving series that we just finished. Um, we have a problem with Thanksgiving, and we have a problem with recognizing God's love. And it is unique to the charismatic community. We believe so much in the power of God that we expect his love to be expressed in very big and powerful ways. And so we become thankful for the big things that he's doing. We hunt for the big things in order to give thanks while we're completely missing all the little things. And when we do that, we begin to think, God doesn't love me unless it's in big, powerful ways. Breakthroughs. That's the sign of his love. <laughs> when you're waiting for the big breakthrough, you're not receiving or picking up the little things that surround us each and every minute of every day. And that breeds, actually breeds a lack of faith because you only define faith in terms of breakthroughs. You don't to find faith in terms of his steadfast support and presence in the little ways. And so I think what he would have us to do as an exercise right now would be to say, I'm not abandoning my faith for the big things, but right now I'm going to take some time and I'm going to ask the Lord, show me all the little things in my life that are expressions of your love that I have somehow overlooked but they're there. And they are daily reminders, minute by minute, experience by experience, of how much you really love me and support me. So I think the Lord would have us right now say, Holy Spirit, please begin to reveal to me right now all the little expressions of your great love that I have been missing. And I promise you this, when you begin to ask that question and you begin to hear him, all of a sudden, they start popping out all over the place during every minute of every day. And it leads to great thankfulness. And it leads to that sense of, I am being deeply loved right now. Even while I wait for the big answer, I have hundreds and hundreds of little ones. You with me? So let's close our eyes. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to do this little work.
this little work. <laughs> Just show us the truth, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now for each one of us in this room. Would you begin to bring to mind, would you begin to bring to mind right now the little ways, consistent ways that you have been loving me through the people around me, through my experiences, through your provision, all the little ways. Start reminding me, Holy Spirit, I just want to know them and I want to say thanks, thanks for them. If something's coming, pick up, put your hand up, just, with, just even with your eyes closed. If something's yeah. come to you, these little revelations of his love. Okay, let's praise him by doing this. Start saying, say it out loud so everybody can hear what you saw. What did you see? What did he show you? Hmm? Speaking to you through the word. That's huge. What else? Praise him for every little, every little thing, whatever it is. Praise him for it. Practice that praise. What else? What did he show you? Hmm? Your, ba- your baby's smiling at you. Your daughter being here with you. Right on. Yeah, I don't want to put my son on the spot, but first thing that came to my mind was Josiah. Me too. I saw my dog. <laughs> what else? Anybody else? What, what, what are some of the little things that just came to mind? You're never alone. You never, ever have to be alone. Can I call her your fiance? No. Yes. Dang. No. We'll wait for it. What else? Now wake up to that. That one's really important. There's so many things that could be going wrong that aren't going wrong. Coincidental and repeated blessings. Okay, when he first taught me to do this, we'll end real fast, but when he first taught me to do this, I was in the middle of a very dark depression. And I was trying to have my quiet time, and it was just misery. And I called out to him, I said, I have no peace. I have no peace at all. I haven't felt peace for months. And he he directed me to Philippians. And it says, when you come to God come and bring your requests but come with thanksgiving and he spoke to me and he said when was the last time you came to me with a thankful heart and this I actually said this to him I said I have nothing to be thankful for my life is in ruins and he said right now go for the little things and start listing them and I was praying in the tub and I said I'm surrounded by warm water And then I realized I'm in my own home. And then I realized I still have a car. And then I realized I still have a few friends. 
and I'm not sick. And I just, and I praise him for the weather in Canada. That's easy. Yeah, that's a big deal. I'm serious. Like I looked outside and it was sunny. I said, God, it's sunny. And I went on for 20 minutes just listing every little thing I could possibly think of. And at the end of 20 minutes, I had peace. It had come. And he said, do that every day. Make that your habit. It works. Thank you, Mark. So in preparation for communion, I want to say a couple things that were in my message on this topic of Jesus being our example of love that will set us up well for receiving his body and his blood together. The first thing that um, I want us to recognize is this. You know, we just read that passage where it says that Jesus stripped himself of all his divine privileges to come down here to be with us. That is just, I mean, how do you wrap your brain around that? How do you wrap your mind around it? It's really hard for us to fathom that. I mean, if you really think about it, Jesus is in heaven as God. He's God. And he strips himself of all of his divine privileges and possessions and power and worship and all of that and comes down as a human being to be with us, to rescue us. Wow. Uh, a, a cheap example of that, but it's, it's the same thing, but it's just cheap because it's an earthly experience was, uh, what was that king? Uh, Henry VIII, was it? Uh, the king in England. If you watched, if you watched the crown, you would know the king who abdicated the throne. Edward the Eighth abdicated the throne for a lady named Wallace. Okay, that's even more dramatic. So here you have a, an earthly king abdicates the throne for what love. Wow. I mean, that actually happened. That was real. Well, so is this. That Jesus left heaven's glory because of love for you. And you. And you. And you. We're not trying to earn God's love. He already gave us his love. And again, this is so important to him that he said, if you don't love, you're not a church. You're not my church. And so you know what he says that Ephesians church, after he rebukes them for not loving well, he says this, let the, those who have ears to hear, hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. And he who, and she who overcomes, I will let eat of the tree of life and the paradise of God overcomes what for that particular church what do they have to overcome to get rewarded by God a lack of love in the church the lovelessness in the church he said if you will overcome that and return to your first love which is first loving him 
and then loving one another. If you guys would get off the works program and get back on the love program, I'm going to let you eat of the tree of life and the paradise of God. Amen. So some of us may need to come back to Jesus all over again today. Lord, at the Gathering Place Church and those online that are joining us, we, we lift up, Lord, your body and your blood. And this represents love. You gave us the example to lay our lives down for one another just as you laid your life down for us. Lord, thank you for coming down from heaven into this cesspool, this fallen world to us broken people because of love. You love every individual person in this church, online, and around the world. You're amazing. You are love. You are love. Lord, fill us with your love again. Fill us with your love again, Jesus. Don't let this be ritualistic, obligatory religion. Fill us with your love again, Lord. Let's eat the body of Christ together. His love covers all sin. This right here, this blood of Christ covers all sins. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you haven't done. This right here washes it all away. It's God's love in a cup right here. Let's drink the love of God. Let's stand and worship.
gifts that you're going to give and receive this Christmas season there's only one gift that's eternal and that's the gift of salvation all of our gifts all the other gifts are going to break they're going to get old they're going to get rusty we're going to get bored with them even if they last a lifetime when you leave this earth and go to heaven you don't get to take it with you no Apple Watches in heaven. The only thing, the only gift that's eternal is the gift of God. That's salvation. If you've never given your life to Jesus, God's not waiting until Christmas Day to offer it to you. He's offering it to you right now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you must do that. Or you will spend eternity separate from God because of your sin. But if you will come to Jesus today, in an instant, all your sins are completely wiped out and forgiven. It's a gift. And then God will breathe His Spirit into your soul and you'll be born again and you'll be saved. I'm going to call the prayer teams up here in just a minute to pray for any need you might have. Little heaven on earth portals up here. Prayers of agreement. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, you want to do that. Online, if you have never given your life to Jesus, right there where you are, 
You can just tune me out right now and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I invite you into my life. Jesus, I give you my heart. Forgive me for my sins. God, I need to know I'm right with you. I need the peace of God in my life. You just pray that prayer. Just open your heart to him. He's going to come rushing in. And so in a moment, I call the prayer teams up. They're going to be praying for everyone. I'm going to say to everybody else, my prayer for us over this holiday season is that the humility of Christ, the extreme measure of sacrifice that it's so hard for us to quantify till we get there and actually see it in real for, for ourselves, what he left to come down here and rescue us the level of sacrifice that took on his part. I pray that that will so permeate us as God's people that you and I will find little ways to sacrifice for one another every day. That's true love. Think about what Jesus did for you and just find ways to love others well because we all need to love and to be loved well to be healthy people. And it glorifies God when we do that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Prayer teams, you'll come up front here and be prepared to pray for anyone who slides up this way. It could be any need you have or a need that somebody somebody else in your life. Just come on up for prayer. Let the Lord do a work in your life. God bless.